get into the Word. What do you say? If you have a Bible or a Bible app with you today, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And I started a new series of messages last week. I've entitled this, A Whole New World. Everybody ready for a whole new world? See, the foundation for living a better life begins with inward change. Uh, it is the change of a person's nature and then the thinking that aligns with that change that enables us to come up higher in our daily life, experience God's best. Everybody, everybody see that again? A change of nature and then thinking that aligns with that change. Everybody say two things. Everybody say two things. Two things. Change of nature. Change of, Change of thinking. Change of thinking. All right. The extent of what took place when a person, many of you, were born again is not fully understood by many of us. Okay? It is much bigger. It is, much, it is on a much more grand scale. Too many of us, and I say us, I'm talking to believers now, too many of us uh, limit our understanding to being forgiven of sins. And uh, again, that's not a small thing. I don't want to minimize its importance. But being saved or born again is much larger than being forgiven of sins. Everybody with me today? Okay. Uh, it's like I saw one person write. I happened to see this on one of our our social media sites, they didn't like, apparently, the fact that I told people that they were, if they're saved, they were no longer a sinner. And, uh, and so their, their, their statement was, we, even if you've been forgiven of sins, that doesn't mean you're, no, you're not still a sinner. And, uh, and my thought was, I'm not interacting with people because I'm not a big fan of arguing. Uh, but my thought was, well, that would be true if you were an Old Testament believer. And that's the problem. The mentality of so many New Covenant believers, they're doing so with an Old Covenant mindset. They think, I'm a forgiven sinner. No, that is not correct any longer. If you were just forgiven, that's right. But what if you were born again? What if you were made a new creation in Christ? That's the whole new world. That's the bigger picture. It's not you're a mess just forgiven. No, you're an entirely new species of being. God recreated you in Christ. The old dude is dead. Right? Faith in that working of God, the religious mind struggles to wrap its mind around that. Okay, and if that's you today, here today, just stay with me and listen and, and uh, make your own judgment. If, the, if it's a new thought to you, you know, as they, I heard before, someone said, eat the whole roll, <laughs> <laughs> then see what you think. Let's read 2 Corinthians chapter 5 once again, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone, not everyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Hallelujah. 
Now, if everything became new, then nothing remained old. If everything became new, was it new that was the same as the old? Or was new different than the old? Now, all things are of God. Nothing's of the devil. (laughs) Nothing's of you. Now, all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and given us the ministry of reconciliation. Now, listen to this verse uh, 17 in the easy-to-read version. This is where I got my title, all right? When anyone is in Christ, it is a whole new world. The old things are gone. Suddenly, everything is new. Amen. Why suddenly? Well, because salvation's not a process. Salvation is an instantaneous event. It is an experience that happens in a moment. When a baby is born, they will record the time of birth on that birth certificate, right? Not give a general range of July. (laughs) When's your birthday? July. Well, what day? Well, they didn't write that. It was a long delivery. (laughs) No, when actual birth takes place, it goes down to the minute, right? Like physical birth happens that way, spiritual birth also takes place that way. Now, there may be some things leading up to it, right? Just like there is with natural birth. Anything leading up to it? Lots of things leading up to a, a, a baby being born. Lots of things leading up to a, a person being born again spiritually. Maybe lots of questions and answers and, you know, seeking and, 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 and lots of things going on. But then there's the moment. There's the moment. That's why I like to say at the end of the service, one, two, three, now. Now. Now shoot your hand up. Now respond. Now pray. Well, why, why is that? Well, because I, I've run into to, to many people over the years who have said, I went to church for years. I attended a, you know, a Christian church for a long time. I never knew I had to be born again. I never need, I mean, I believed in God. I believed in Jesus. But there was never a now. It's like they've been in the womb for three years. Why? They didn't need, no one knew to push, I guess. <laughs> and sometimes it's another believer that does the pushing, or the preacher that says, okay, you, you believe this, you ready to change? Because it is a literal change that takes place in a person's life. It's not figurative. It's not, it's not just an idea, a spiritual concept. It's a literal transformation that goes from death to life. Hallelujah. Now, one of the things I, I was saying last week, I kind of, it kind of, as I was saying, as I was speaking, it really got me uh, inwardly. Like, I, this is something I need to emphasize a little bit more. And, and so I want to do that. And that had to do with the condition of our old selves, the condition of the person outside of Christ. Because, um, Old things have passed away because they needed to pass away. They really did. They were nasty. Old things really did did need to die. And 
the foundation of us understanding the whole new world or what it means to be a new creation in Christ is understanding what we are outside of him, is understanding the dead condition. If I can really understand the depravity of that state, then I can better understand and clearly embrace the condition of a new self in Christ, my new, uh, my new creation reality in him. And it'll excite me. And, and I, it won't, I won't feel like I'm that old dude trying to live for God now. I'm still the way I've always been. I'm just trying to do my best. Everybody with me today? That's a mentality that we want to avoid. Praise God. And so um, we need to keep an eternal perspective. We should never look on our old life fondly. We should never look back at our days outside of the Lord. And I realize some of you were there today, and and, and I understand that, so we get it. Uh, I should never look back and tell stories with glee, with a little bit of, (laughs) that was so much fun back then. I should look back at my life without him and despise it and think, man, I was lost. I didn't, I didn't know up from down. I, I was wandering around aimlessly. And, uh, you know, if you share your testimony, Christians now, believers, if you share your testimony of salvation and, and, and you do so, maybe you have a, you know, a really dramatic past, colorful past. Never share your testimony in such a way that it magnifies sin. I realize there is a part of it. You may have done X, Y, and Z, and it was horrible, and you lived a horrible life and experienced some bad things, and, and, uh, and that's part of your testimony. I'm not saying you shouldn't mention that. That is what the Lord saved you from. But we should never start talking about it and almost kind of... Uh, almost like we, want, we wish we were still there. We have to have such an understanding of how horrible and anti-God it was that we can then, in contrast, celebrate new life in Him like nobody's business. That's where the gleam comes. The, the gleam? The glee? The sparkle. That's where we're ignited with life. Praise God. And so, uh, again, um, when, when you were without the Lord, you were, can I just say this? I said this last week, but I'll say it again. You are not a good person. I was not a good person. All of us had broken God's holy standard. We had broken his command. We had, you know, say, what are you talking about? I'm talking lying, stealing, lusting, dishonoring parents coveting, name it. I mean, there's a a gazillion things. That was part of every single one of us. Not most of us, all of us. Say, I got saved as a child. Yeah, you may have not been into some serious, you know, long-lasting sin, but the condition of your life still was reflective of the exact same thing. Hallelujah. (laughs) Everybody say it out loud. Say, I was not a good person. Here's why I want to emphasize it. That belief 
That, you know, we're all basically good people. That is what keeps many people away from God. It is the belief that I'm fine. My sin is no big deal. I mean, I'm, again, we compare with one another. I'm just as good as the next guy or maybe even a little bit better. And the belief that, what, that the condition of our spirit was acceptable, okay, uh, that's, again, thank God for many of us who have come out of this, but many people, they don't accept the Lord because they believe they're fine. They believe they're okay without him. What is that? That's called blindness. That's the condition of every lost person. 2 Corinthians 4, 4 tells us Satan, as the God of this world, has come to blind the minds of those who don't believe. If you're a believer, you have to be upset with people who are not. You don't have to have angst towards them. Say, well, what are you doing? Clean up your act. Listen, they're blind. I mean, if a person came in here who was physically blind and they bumped into a few chairs and, you know, fumbled around a little bit, would you, would you be upset at them? What are you doing? Do you not know how to walk straight down the aisle? <laughs> no, we'd say, do you need any help? Can I, can I assist you? We're, we're, we're going to be merciful to their condition and, and, and assist them as much as possible. When someone is spiritually blind, you say, I, I just can't believe they act that way. Well, yes, you can. That's how blind people act. Spiritually blind people act. We should be merciful and kind and say, can I assist you? Can I help you? Looks like you need some direction. Not with a judgmental voice, but with, a, with kindness and love in our tone. Because without the light that has come to me, I wouldn't know any better. I mean, I don't even know what crazy things I'd be into if I didn't know the Lord. How about you? Say, so, well, I wouldn't. I'd be good. That's the problem. You're, you miss out on the full experience of life because your interpretation of death is too mild. Sin, the word for sin in the Bible is an archery term that means uh, to miss the mark. All right, everybody picture the, the bow and arrow and the target with the circles. And uh, if you don't hit it straight on in, in, the, in the center, you've sinned. Okay, that, 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 that's the idea. And how many know we've all missed the mark? <laughs> We've not always shot our arrows straight to be perfect. Now, we're trying to serve a perfect God, and that's where, where, where that comes in, in, into being. But uh, this is something I must understand. I have come short. I have been insufficient of myself. Any, any amount of goodness has not been good enough to meet the high standard. If you would, uh, turn with me to the book of Romans, Short left turn from where you were. Romans chapter 3. Now over here, I want to read probably scriptures you don't want to read every day this week. Uh, the Apostle Paul writing this letter to the Romans is making the case for what, some of what I'm teaching you in this series He's basically talking them, to them about the works of the law versus God's grace. And, and he says, in, he begins to quote scripture, but in verse 10, 310, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. How many is none? <laughs> none. 
Well, none except me. No, none. Not one. There is none who understands. Well, I understand. I mean, I'm educated. <laughs> I have degrees. Listen, this is talking about spiritual understanding. You may know math and science and English and other stuff. But there is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. Okay, now, now, now the religious person might, might disagree with that. Don't, don't be very slow to disagree with thus saith the Lord. Say, what do I not see about this that I misunderstand concerning myself? Because we want to justify our own behavior. We want to justify our own being before a God who's saying no one is doing this. Well, I am. Really? Or maybe a, there's a hint of, a, a, a tint of blindness happening. There's none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have all together become unprofitable. There is none who does good. No, not one. <laughs> Anybody edified yet? <laughs> you guys are horrible. <laughs> then he goes on to use some colorful language. Their throat is an open tomb. Uh, with their tongues, they have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under, is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. This is the context, if you know verse 23, that we often use that says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's all of us. So this describes the depravity of mankind before salvation. Other scriptures use similar language. Jeremiah 17, 9 reads, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? See, none of this speaks favorably of the human race. None of this is, is, is complimentary and saying, You guys are amazing. You guys are just inherently good. They're all verses that say the opposite, that inherently... Now, you understand this. This is all talking about people before Christ. It's all talking pre-salvation, not after the new creation. But when people think their sin is not a big deal, it is a big problem. You know, they'll, sometimes people speak light of their, their behavior... Well, certainly God wouldn't send me to hell just for, you know, telling little, a little white lie. <laughs> just a little bit of lust. I mean, everybody does it. Just a little. And, and so we're, we're tempted to make light of it and say, it's not a big deal. That's what we must resist. And we should think, no, this was a big deal. I mean, no, in heaven there aren't any, any lies of any color. They're not color-coded. Just honesty, clear, oh, right? I mean, the Scriptures literally use the language of uh, liars have their place in the, in the lake of fire. Well, what about little white ones? Yeah, those two. Well, in other words, we need to see God and His holiness and perfection and all of His purity and righteousness and love 
And anything that contrasts with that, even to the slightest degree, is, is wrong. It's bad. It's horrible. This is the description of God. And, and, and we should acknowledge that as a condition of all people that need, they need a Savior. Here, here's what the Scripture goes on to say in, in Romans 3, verse 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. So it's interesting, God gave the law, and say, what's the law? Think of the Ten Commandments plus all the other laws. He gave that so people would read it and, and be guilty. Say, well, that's not very nice. It was actually done in great love and compassion. He needed people to stop justifying themselves, stop making themselves acceptable to him in their own sight, and say, help, I need mercy. I need grace. I need a savior. I'm in despair. I despise myself. I need God's help. When a person came to that end, now they're ready to be saved. The problem is, and it's big in our country, in our, in our society today, is everyone says, you're okay just like you are. Accept me the way that I am. Everything's fine. You're just good. You don't need to change at all. The reality is we all needed to change. But we've justified wrongdoing. We've made it acceptable. Therefore, you do get saved and you see, yeah, uh, now I'm saved. Huh. Yay. What's different? I don't know. I guess I'm going to heaven. No, everything has changed. Now all things are of God, but my view of myself prior to that was not strict enough. It, it was not strong enough. I didn't see sin for what it was, so now I can't see holiness and righteousness for what it is. I, I didn't know the, the state of despair I was in, so now I can't appreciate salvation like I ought to. Now when I say, thank you, Lord, for, for forgiving me, thank you, Lord, for giving me new life and for accepting and loving me, I, I'm not tearing up and falling down to my knees. I'm not moved emotionally. I'm not moved in any, in any strong way. But if I really knew what, what happened, I think it might be different. If any of us had the full scope and revelation of what we were and what we became, I don't know if we could stop our worship services after 20 minutes. I'd have to say, everybody, come on now, get up, get up. Get off the floor. Get your face off the carpet. We got to teach now. You'd be saying, no, 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 no. I just worship God. I just worship the Lord. I'm so thankful. It's the principle that Jesus taught. Uh, we won't look at it today, but... Uh, basically, when someone is forgiven much, the result is they love much. And it's, it's, it's the, when, when someone knows how much they have been uh, saved from, forgiven for, then their heart to God is forever and eternally grateful. They are so appreciative. Their worship is at a whole nother level. They just love God and they serve God with such gratitude and commitment. You don't have to talk that person into going to church. Just like you don't have to talk the drunk into going to the bar. 
When's happy hour? I don't know. I guess I'll let me look it up. No, they know when it is. <laughs> When's church? I don't know. I guess let's find out. You're saved and you don't even know? Amen. Hallelujah. <laughs> let's go over it. You got a few more minutes? I've got a lot more to say if you've got time, but we'll get it in. Genesis chapter 2. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. Say, so where did this... Where did this death come from? You, you may know this. This might seem ABCs to some of you, but it's also powerful. Genesis chapter 2. I want you to notice with me in verse 17. 217. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend it, to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. You shall surely die. Now, how many know if you read that story, uh, they ate of the fruit and they didn't drop dead? Their heart kept beating. Their lungs were still filled with air. They still continued on their life and had children and lived for many, many years years. So the obvious question is, what about this verse? When God said, if you eat of that, the one, only the one, I only told you one tree, but if you eat of that one, you're going to die when you do. Did they die? The answer is 100%. Yes, they died, but they didn't die in a physical way. They died a spiritual death. Spiritually, they instantly became separated from life from God, they, 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 they died spiritually. And uh, it created this, like I said, this separation from God, which immediately was, was, was seen in their behavior, okay? At the very moment they died, everything changed for them. What, what changed? They, they took on this sense of guilt. They took on this fear, and they began to hide, they began to run from God, as if that were possible. But uh, they took on what was, what's, what's referred to, or we often call, a sin consciousness. They became aware of sin. They walked around feeling dirty, feeling guilty, feeling shamed. It was never God's intention. If sin had never entered in, we wouldn't even know those feelings. We wouldn't even... These scriptures wouldn't exist. There is none who seeks after God. There is none righteous. That wouldn't exist because it wasn't God's, part of God's original creation. It says in verse 7 of chapter 3, Genesis 3, 7, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. So, so if we could somehow put ourselves in this, in this position... They sinned against God, and they uh, <gasps> woo. They looked, and everything looked different. Everything felt different. And they said, we need clothes. We're naked. You didn't know that before? Nope. And they felt shame, and they made their little fig leaf clothes. And this is 
the beginning of religion. So how long has religion been around? Since the Garden of Eden. They created the first one. It was, it was man's attempt to fix himself, to do something to cover the shame, to cover the guilt, to cover the fear. You might call it, if we gave it a name, the first religion, it might, might be called fig leafism. <laughs> and it's a, it's a useless cure to a spiritual problem, okay? Nothing we do, human beings do, can ever solve a problem, a spiritual problem of sin. But immediately there was an attempt. Why? Because guilt is not, not a good feeling. You ever felt guilty? We don't like it. We, have to, we either justify ourselves, we hide it, or we run to the Lord to, to get, hopefully that's the answer, to rid ourselves of it. But it's very uncomfortable. You don't want to feel guilty. I don't want to be the bad person. I don't want everything going wrong to be my fault. No one wants, wants that to be the case. And so we do this. Now, they started it then. And now there are religions galore around the world. And... Some of them even have the name Christ written on the building. But all it is is an expansion of the fig leaf. It is rules. It's do this and don't do this and cover this and hide this and try to fix yourself and try to be a better person and man-made rules galore to try to basically do right, do better, make yourself holy, make yourself righteous, rid yourself of those feelings. And it's all just, an, like I said, an expansion of the fig leaf. It does not change who we are. There is no new birth involved. There is no new creation. How many realize that not everybody who calls themselves Christian is? Christian was a name given to uh, early believers, early disciples. You read about that in the book of Acts. And it's been adopted worldwide by many different sects, if you will, different groups say, I'm a Christian. And that means so many different things to so many different people. It's almost like you want to set the word aside and not ask, are you a Christian? Because how many know if you, would, if you were to have a conversation with someone and you wanted to ascertain their spiritual life and their relationship with God, if you just asked, am I a Christian? And they said, yes. Do you know anything? You don't know much. You'd have to probe a little deeper to know what that means to them. Now, it's not a bad word. We can use it. But there are many people that say, yeah, I'm a Christian. And they don't, they've never been made a new creation in Christ. They've never received eternal life. They believe in Christ. They go to a Christian church. I mean, there's a, a, a or something that has the name on it. That's different because the problem with human beings was not that they didn't go to church enough. The problems with, with human beings was not that they didn't give enough. The problem was much more deeply rooted than that. And that is, we were all spiritually dead, separated from God, spiritually deprived of God's life and nature and holiness and love. And all that God is was nowhere to be found in, in the spirit of a human being. And this is what Jesus then came to fix. That's why religion doesn't do the job, but God does, and he did in Christ 
in Jesus taking our place, being our substitute, paying for our sins and being raised from the dead. Now, when we come to him, now when we make Jesus the Lord and Savior of our lives, the, the, the reverse of the curse is so powerful, so potent, and so broad. It is, it is more than just, okay, you're forgiven. It is a spark of eternal life. Life in the Greek is the word zoe, Z-O-E, and it means a quality of life that God has. It's life in the absolute sense. And life comes into a person. It doesn't mean I'm just going to live forever. It means I'm going to live on God's level forever, to God's standard, to God's quality. It's fullness of joy and peace and life and wholeness and nothing missing or broken ever again, forever. And a person, the moment they say, Jesus, I make you my Lord, that, that quality of life comes into their being. And they're changed. They're no longer despised and rejected. They're no longer, uh, uh, you know, bitter and, and spirit, they're spiritually dead. They're made alive with God's very life. Everybody okay? Yeah. It's like a boomerang. It's a complete reversal. As bad as we were then is how good we are now. And this is the opposite. See, some really relate to the first or the majority of this message. Yeah, I'm a rascal. That what we have to do is now relate to the change. Start with relating to where we were or for some where you still presently are and then embrace, relate, connect to the change that we've experienced in Christ. Now it's amazing. Now you're impressive. Now you're amazing in the sight of God. Hallelujah. There are those who sin and think they're just fine. Those who are in sin, they're in the lifestyle, they're in the life of sin. They think, oh, I'm fine. And they're not. And there are those who are in Christ who think they're rotten. They think, that they think of themselves as still a dirty, rotten scoundrel. And that's just as wrong. Because the change worked. The new creation experience, it worked. And it's who we are. This religious belief is strongly rooted in many genuine Christians, genuinely saved people. They see themselves and see evil. They see darkness. They see everything that's wrong. And that vision must change. That view needs to be different. Just like we relate to the old self and say, yes, that's who I used to be. I wasn't good enough to earn my right and way to God. But now I'm no longer there. Now I am changed. I am made new. I am made alive. The focus then of a new covenant relationship with God is not on obeying commandments. See, now that's a tough saying for, statement for some. That is not the same as saying it's okay to steal and murder and commit adultery and, and no, that, I didn't say that whatsoever. None of that has ever been or ever will be okay. I'm saying the focus of the new covenant relationship with God is not on just doing right, but it begins with this connection with God. It begins with a consciousness of God within us. 
It begins with an acknowledgement that I'm not who I used to be, that I've been changed. Everybody with me? Even for the saved person, if their mentality is always on, I'm going to try harder to not do bad things, they'll likely fail in that quest. But if the, if the mentality shifts to, I am in him and he is in me and I've been made alive and I've been made new, God has totally transformed and, and recreated my inward being. This is who I am. Now righteous living will spring forth from this consciousness of God in us. Now doing right becomes, becomes you know, na- natural to us. Doing right is our bent, our default. It's what we gravitate to. It doesn't mean that a new creation can't ever do something wrong. I'm just saying if we're going to do things right, it starts with this acknowledgement and this belief in, in the Lord's finished work inside of us. Hallelujah. Everybody okay? Inward change first, outward change second. If we always think of it that way, then we'll be able to succeed. Praise God. You used all of my time and extra. <laughs> We're going to come back and get into these things some more. And uh, I, I, tr- I trust today that, that there's a greater understanding, a greater awareness, a consciousness of what we used to be and what we are today. And for those who are not yet in the second category, Hold your seat. If you can stay for five more minutes, we'll give you an opportunity to change camps. There will be the most miraculous transformation in your life that you can't even wrap your mind around it at this point. Amen. Let's pray today. Father, thank you for working in us here and now. By your spirit, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. You are a good, good father.